0: What's up? How you guys doing tonight? I'm doing awesome. For those of you guys that were here uh, when I first got here and, w- and we were kind of doing this like interview thing and people were asking me, you know, different questions and someone asked me, what is, your, what is your favorite worship song? And that last song we just sang is my favorite worship song of all time. In fact, what most people don't know, what many people don't know is, is that almost every single Thursday... Um, I go online to the 2009 Hillsong United Conference on YouTube and I click on their rendition of that song and I listen to it almost every Thursday night and I spend about 10 minutes just worshiping in my office before I come down here and spend time with you guys so that I can just prepare my heart because that, that scripture or that, that song teaches us the same thing that scripture teaches us, that it is with everything. Man, God, I want to give you my everything. I want to surrender to you my all. And I want to back up a little bit. Last week when we came in here, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the armor of God. And we talked about the fact that we're in war. And last week I talked to you guys about the real war. And the fact of the matter is, is that there's a real war that is going on. And Ephesians 6 tells us, in verses 10 through 14, it tells us that there's this war that's going on that, that, is, that is not flesh and blood, but is against these rulers and authorities and principalities in this dark world. And there's things going on in the heavenly realms. And he tells us... God Go and put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then he goes on to tell us that not only do we put on the full armor of God, but at the very first verse, in verse 10, he says, We need to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And last week we talked about how the fact of that scripture is, the truth of that scripture is, is that you cannot be strong on your own. It doesn't matter how much you try. It doesn't matter all the things that you think that you can accomplish on your own. And you say, I'm going to quit doing this thing. I'm going to stop this sin. I'm going, to, I'm going to get victory over this thing in my life. And what we talked about was is that our strength comes from the Lord. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And apart from the power of God, there is no victory and there's no way to overcome, Period. And then we talked about the reason that we're strong in the Lord and the reason that we pull on the full armor of God, not just parts of the armor of God, because what we do is we go and we say, yeah, but I mean, I'm a Christian and I put on the helmet of salvation, but like we're never in the word of God. We never pick up the sword of the spirit. We rarely have faith. Our life is driven by fear, and so we don't pick up the shield of faith. And and he says basically put on the full armor of God. And we talked about how putting on the full armor of God is a picture of putting on Christ because all of those particular things that is talked about there in the armor, every piece of the armor is, speaks to who Jesus is. In fact, we look at tonight at the belt of truth and we know that Jesus tells us in John 14 verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus says, I'm the truth. And so as we walk through there, we see this picture. And tonight, I just want to focus our hearts on the first piece of the armor. And we're going to read it here in a few minutes. But in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, And buckle the belt of truth around your waist. I got some bug killer up here. Some raid bug killer. Anybody ever bought bug killer before and like just like killed stuff? Anybody like just, you just like killing bugs. Any bug ki- Dude, I'm telling you, man, when I was a little kid, dude, I would just, like, kill bugs. I love killing bugs, man. I would, like, you know, if I seen bugs, I'd go into the garage and I'd get, like, gasoline, you know, there'd be, like, a bunch of little ants running around, and I'd pour gasoline on them, i light it on fire, you know. My dad would run out and be like, what are you doing, son?" I'd be like, nothing, nothing, man, just nothing, you know, just killing ants. And, and I would I would take a hammer, you know, and I'd walk around, and I'd walk around, and I'd smack it. Now, this is my favorite. I'd take a tennis racket. I would take a tennis racket and, and when bumblebees or June bugs in the summer, when June bugs fly around, and I'd run around, and they're like, wham! And I'd smack them with a tennis racket, and they go flying around. Dude, it was awesome. And, uh, and uh, you know, and so, and so I, I'll just be honest with you guys. My wife, she hates bugs. I mean, if there's a bug in the house, a spider in the house, like, I mean, I'll be in the other room, and she'll be like, blah! You know what I mean? And, I, and, she, and she'll kill me. For, I mean, she won't kill me because she knows. She messes me. I'll throw a bug on her because I ain't scared. And uh, so and she'll be screaming at the top of her lungs, ah! and I'll go walking in the room and I'll be like, What's wrong? Like, I think she's dying. Like, something, like a tree just fell on her or something. And she's like, She's like, ah! and I'll look over there and it'll be like a little ant, like crawling on the wall. I'm like, Baby, come on. Are you serious? Like, you can kill that thing, you know? And she freaks out when it comes to bugs. She hates Bugs. And so she always had me go around and spray cleaner, or cleaner, spray up uh, bug spray and stuff around the baseboards in our house and outside of our house and, and to protect our house. And I'm like, I'm like, I mean, we're spending all this money on, you know, throwing stuff out in our grass to kill all the bugs in the yard and all that kind of stuff. And I was doing a little research on bug killer. And uh, the main ingredient that brings death to bugs. It's the main ingredient that brings death to, you know, rodents and other things that it, this, this solution that they use is the same solution they use for, for rats, the same solution they use for, for any kind of bugs and roaches, and many exterminators, they buy this stuff in concentrated form, and they mix it in order to use it. In fact, you cannot buy this stuff, you cannot get your hands on it at all, unless you're a professional exterminator in the business. And it's called Xenox. It's spelled X-E-N-O-X, Xenox. Now, Xenox is one of the most poisonous, poisonous substances in the world. In fact, one drop of Xenox can kill 10 men. 10 men, one drop. They say that Xenox is more powerful and more poisonous. Listen, more powerful and more poisonous than a black mamba snake. That's how powerful this stuff is. It only takes a couple drops to mix massive amounts of raid and bug killer and of the such to kill certain insects and and, and whatever that you happen to be trying to kill. And this is where Xenox comes from. It's kind of interesting that in the slaughterhouses, when they take uh, cattle and they bring them through the slaughterhouses and they kill the cows, uh, they take the brains of the cows, it's kind of gross, They take the brains of the cows, and from the brains of the cows, they extract the fluid from the cerebral cortex in the brain of cows. Now listen, this stuff is so expensive, this stuff is so expensive that what they do, with the the Xenox in a a slaughterhouse makes 40%, makes up 40% of the budget, 40% of the income, For those slaughterhouses. Those massive cows. All the meat that goes through there. This stuff makes up 40% of it. That's how big of a deal this stuff is. This stuff is extremely poisonous. And extremely dangerous. So I poured some of of it out into this this bowl right here. Anybody want to drink it? You want to drink it? You'll really drink something that's the most poisonous thing in the world. Because you'll die. (laughs) That's why. All the suicide people are like, "Yes, my opportunity." That's not funny. <laughs> it's really not funny. <laughs> no. So, yeah, I mean, here's the deal. I mean, it is funny, and you say, "You say, yeah, 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 I'll drink it. Yeah, 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 I'll drink it." But you're not going to drink it. Let's just be honest. You're not going to die for five bucks. You're not going to die for ten bucks. In fact, we're not going to, I'm not going to die for a million bucks. You could not pay me a million dollars to drink something that's going to kill me. Right? I mean, so let's be serious. I mean, that is the truth. Is there anybody in here who would, who would really say you would drink something that would kill you? No, of course not. That doesn't make any sense, right? doesn't make any sense. That was good. Listen. Listen. Everything I just told you is untrue. Everything. (laughs) Xenox does not exist. It does not come from cows, I don't know anything about slaughterhouses, I certainly don't know how much Xenox would cost if it did exist, I don't have two cents cl- of clues, I don't have any idea what the poisonous stuff is in Raid or in any kind of killer whatsoever, everything I just told you is a complete lie. You say Why? Man, y'all are broken up about this, man. Y'all never this, you know, choppy. Listen, here's why. Shh, here's why. Here's why. You guys believed me because you trusted me, because I spoke with authority. I talked on a subject that you know little about, and so you have no way of cross-referencing what I'm saying. And I spoke it as if it were true. And here's the reality You guys buy into untruth about God and buy into untruth about your life all the time because someone says something authoritatively, because someone says something and you think they know what they're talking about because they're using big words like cerebral cortex and Xenox and all this stuff that you have no clue about and you think that guy's smarter than me so he must be right. Let me tell you something. College professors dismantle Christians, dismantle Christians in their freshman year of college every single year, doing to you exactly what I just did to you. See, some of you have beliefs. That you believe are true because your parents have told you they are true. Because a teacher or a professor has told you that they're true. Or because your friends have told you that they are true. And you think that because they are smarter than you, then they are telling you the truth. In fact, you may believe some things that are untruth that your pastor has told you before. Here's the deal, and I will tell you this plainly and clearly. James chapter 3 says that those who teach are held at a higher standard. And when I come in here, I'm going to tell you guys that I spend, my, I spend tons of time, I, I work my tail off studying so that what I'm teaching you and what I'm giving you is truth. But hear me now, I don't want you to believe a word I say. I want you to go and test it and see if I'm telling you the truth. And you should test every single person and every single thing. Just because a teacher in her class gets something says, you were from monkeys, and this is this big bang thing, and this and that and all this kind of stuff. You're like, oh yeah, oh that's good. Oh that's good. Sun truth. Sun truth. But you grab a hold of it and you keep spreading that untruth. And you keep spreading that untruth. Listen, when I grew up, I grew up, in a, I grew up in a home of maybe nominal Christians at best. My parents hardly went to church. Never talked about God. Never talked about the Bible. I didn't go to church from the time I was 13 years old until the time I was 17 years old. Not even on Easter. I had no concern for church, no concern for God, and frankly didn't really care. I became a Christian when I was 17 years old. And listen, I believed, I believed wholeheartedly with all my heart. I would argue until I was blue in the face. I believed when I I became a Christian, I believed that interracial marriage was unbiblical and ungodly and sinful because my parents had told me that when I was a kid. But then I start studying God's Word and I start reading through here and I'm like, my parents don't have a clue what they're talking about. See, they heard an untruth from someone else. And they believed it, and then they passed that untruth on to someone else, and they believed it. And that truth keeps getting passed down, and that untruth keeps getting passed down. And let me tell you something. That's why it's so important for you not only to know what you believe, but to understand why you believe what you believe. Because here's the deal: we live in a culture they call our uh, they call what the the day that we live in postmoderns and postmodernism. Maybe you guys have heard of that term. And basically, postmoderns believe that truth is relative. That truth is is defined by each individual person. and So you'll hear people say things like, well, that may be true for you, but that's not true for me. Yeah, that may be true for you, but that's not true for me. Oh, yeah, well, that Christianity thing, that's good for you, but this Islam thing is good for me. Hey, it's no big deal. You know, we're all good. We're all happy family. High five, give me dap, chest bump. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we do And we say it may be true for you and it may be true for me. Let me tell you something. There is a such thing as truth. There is a such thing as truth. And I'm going to show that to you. I'm going to show that to you tonight as we walk through this. And I'm going to prove to you that there's a such thing as truth. And the reason that we say things like, well, I don't," don't, it's your truth and this is my truth and all this kind of stuff is because our culture has completely tried to dismantle truth altogether. We try to minimize it. And when you come to the conclusion that there is no truth, you have come to the conclusion that there is no truth in the Word of God and there is no truth in Jesus. Because Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the truth. I mean, this is a big deal. This is a a battleground that, that our culture and the church are battling against right now. Because here's the reality. The Bible teaches us that there is absolute truth. You say, what is absolute truth? Let me give you the definition. Absolute truth is a truth that exists outside of ourselves. One that is true for all people, for all times And in all places. That means that this truth is true for you. It's true for me. It's true for every person in the world. No matter what culture they live in. No matter what country they live in. No matter what their race is. No matter what their language is. No matter where they're at. What they do. That truth is truth no matter what. Period. For example, lying. Lying is, it is true that lying is wrong and lying is a sin. Because the Bible says it is. It is true that lying is wrong and lying is a sin, no matter if you're in Africa, Asia, Antarctica, wherever. Lying is a sin and lying is wrong. Period. Period. And we can't pick and choose what, what we say is truth and what we say is not truth. And this is, this is important because when, when cult, there are cultures that see no problem with certain things, that we would say, that is completely wrong. For example, the culture doesn't define truth. In fact, we know this because there have been many cultures that have advocated cannibalism. There have been many cultures that murder each other at will and they don't see any problem with it. They don't think that that's wrong. There have been cultures throughout history that have practiced infant side or even infant, infant worship where they would take infants to their babies to the top of a cliff and they would throw their babies off the cliff. To kill their babies in an act of worship. Let me tell you something. That is sick, disgusting, and wrong. Because our culture does not define what truth is. God defines what truth is. God defines it. And in Ephesians 6, if you got your Bibles, you can open them there. I want to show you what he says. And I don't think it's by accident that Paul... Starts out in the first piece of armor that he gives us to put on is the belt of truth Now in the Bible in the Bible truth is mentioned 228 times now, if God talks about it one time, two times, three times, it's pretty stinking important. But when God talks about it 228 times in His Word, I think it's something important for us to pay attention to. Now, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the Hebrew word for, uh, for truth means support and stability. In other words, it's not true if you can't support it, if it's not stable. If someone comes to you and they tell you something and you can poke holes all in it in the validity of it, then you know that that is untrue. It doesn't have support. It's not stable. The Greek word in the New Testament, because the New Testament was written in Greek, uh, mostly in Greek, we see the the word literally means to conform to fact. In other words, if someone says a statement that does not conform to fact or reality, then it's untrue. We're going to talk about that a little more here in a few minutes. Let's read this. Let's start in verse 10. Look what he says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the schemes of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the world powers of, this, of, of darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is why you must put on the full armor of God, second time he said that, so that you may be able to resist evil when the day of evil comes, and having prepared everything, you should take your stand. And once you've done everything to stand, stand firm with a belt of truth around your ra- waist. In the Roman armor, the belt—the belt was was, uh, was a piece of leather that would go around and it would protect the the lower abdomen area. Now, this kind of cool about this belt is is that you know sometimes they would have longer uh, robes and stuff like that when they when they were when they were just regularly hanging out, walking around, and when it was time for battle, they would gird up their 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 uh, they would roll them up and they would take the um, the leather belt and that would hold up. Their their garments so that they would be ready for battle and it was considered when they would do this the It was considered their their posture and being ready for battle And so what paul is saying here is hey listen The first thing you need to understand about this is you need to be ready for battle You need to be ready to take a stand for truth because truth exists Paul is telling us that the first thing we need to do is we need to put on truth We need to put on truth and the reason he's telling us to put on truth is because there's a lot of deceptions out there. There's a lot of things out there that are calling your attention and are meant to deceive. In fact, Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, which I think this verse is awesome. Listen to this. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy, listen, and empty deception. In other words, listen, people are going to come to you with philosophies and deceptions be careful not to get wrapped up in that. Then he says, according to the traditions of men. According, listen to what he says about these deceptions. According to the elementary principles of the world. Rather than according to Christ. He says, listen, there are principles that the world, and last week we talked about how Satan uses the world to bait the flesh and how Satan uses the world to tempt us with. And he says, there are elementary principles in this world that Satan uses in order to lead you astray in this this idea of truth. He wages battle against truth in our life by trying to deceive us. We talked about Satan being the father of lies and the deceiver last week, and that is exactly what he does. And notice, I love how it says the elementary principles of the world. You say, what does that mean? This is what that means. That means if someone is telling you something or if you buy into a truth that contradicts what God's truth, the Word of God says, listen to me, you are wrong. You are wrong. If you hear something have believed something, have bought into a philosophy, and then you go and you take that and you're reading Scripture and you say, oh, well, this Scripture says this, but I believe this. Your belief is wrong, not God's Word. And what happens is that we get deceived by the elementary principles of the world. We buy into things that are not God's truth. And look what he says, rather than in the rather than into Christ. We, we get wrapped up into these elementary principles of the world rather than in Christ. And he says, listen, you go and you study God's word and you start pulling out the truth from God's word and God reveals to you truth and the Bible tells us that Jesus is truth and if you cast truth aside, then what you've done is you've literally cast the word of God aside and you cast Jesus aside and you cast Christianity aside. You say, Derek, why don't we talk about this? I get it, but why don't we talk about it? This is why we talk about it. Because some of you have bought into the lie that there's no truth. A study was done of students, Christian church students. Only 9% of Christian students said that they believed in absolute truth in a nationwide study. That means that 91% of Christian teenagers surveyed said that they did not believe in an absolute truth, that they did not believe in the truth of God's Word, and they did not believe in the truth of Jesus. How can you say that I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus and not believe in truth. When Jesus says, I am the truth. See, this is what happens and this is what we do. We come to God's word and we start reading and we're like, oh yeah, well, yeah, that's good, man, I like that. And then we come, and, and, then, and then life comes in and you're like, you know, we, well, we want to do this and we want to do that. And when that happens, we say, I oh, forget God's word. I'm going to do my thing on this. Listen to this. of Christian teenagers disagreed that Jesus was the Son of God. 51% of Christian teenagers disagreed in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Listen, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, the Bible tells us we are to be most pitied. We talk about the resurrection, we gave some of the evidences for it a few weeks ago. 51% say that they don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Listen, the Bible tells us that if you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, you don't believe in the gospel and you are not saved. When you don't believe in absolute truth, then you can't say Christianity and Jesus is true for everyone. These students would disagree with this statement. There are absolute realities or standards that define what is real and what is not. Thus, actions can be deemed right or wrong based on how they measure up against absolute standards. They would conclude that there's no such thing as a right or wrong. See, when you say that it's your truth and it's my truth, then you cannot say that there's a such thing as a right and wrong. They've been deceived by the elementary principles of the world. So let's talk about this. I want to give you guys some observations and some things that I hope that you guys will, will just latch on to here. And I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to give you some evidences for the fact that there is truth. Number one, those who, to believe that there is no truth is to make you God. To believe that there is no truth makes you God. Because if there is a God and if the Bible is true and if there is a right and wrong, then I'm responsible for my actions. I don't want to answer to anyone, and if I believe that there is no God, then I want to say that there is no truth, so that way I don't, have to, I don't have to answer to anyone. And so what happens is, is that when we say, it may be okay for you, but that truth's not okay for me, then we are deciding what is right and wrong for each other. And when I decide what's right for me, then I can say whatever I want to say. When I go and I read the Bible and the Bible says, hey, listen, it is not right for you to have sex with your girlfriend as long as you guys aren't married. But when you are married, you can can have sex with your wife. But the Bible says you can't have sex with your girlfriend if you're not married. And you say, you know what? I believe in Jesus. I believe in the truth of the Bible. But I'm going to make my own call and my own judgment on that one. Man, I get, you know how many Christian teenagers with I've met with since I have been here at this church that literally sit across from me and say, Hey, man, God created everything and said that it was good, so I smoked pot because God said it was good. Did you not also read the verse in Romans chapter 13, which says we're to obey the governments and marijuana is freaking illegal, so it's a sin? It means get me hyped up up here, you know what I'm saying? You <laughs> When we begin to define what's truth and we begin to define what's right and wrong, then I can make whatever I want right for me, right? And so then people can say, listen, listen, think about this for a minute. If someone went and they, they, they murdered your mom, and if you don't like your mom, pick somebody you like, and they go, and they go and they take out your mom, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, your, like your mom is dead, right? And, and, they, and they go to the court and they're sitting in the courthouse and the judge is like, I can't believe you would do this. And he says, judge, let judge judge. Murder may be wrong for you, but it's not for me. If there's no such thing as truth, if there's no such thing as right and no such thing as wrong, then the judge would have to let him go. People in Hitler's regime literally believed that killing millions of Jews was right. And it's not. Second observation. Saying that there's no truth is self-contradictory. Like, for example, if I make the statement, I say, hey, there's no truth. I don't believe in truth. There is no truth. And then you say to me, well, I believe there is truth. And I say, well, your statement's true, and my statement's true, Well, is there truth or is there not truth? See, even making the statement saying that there is no truth, you're making a truth statement about what you believe about truth. It's self-contradictory. Thirdly, no truth doesn't correspond to reality. When you believe that there is no truth, that doesn't correspond to reality. Let me put something on the screen for you guys. I want you all to see this. I wrote this oh, here we go. If I said this, I am so glad that Tim Tebow is going to Texas to play hockey for the Atlanta Braves next season. Yes. He will be the best offensive goalie they have ever had. The way he kicks the puck over the fence is unlike any break dancer I have ever seen. (laughs) True? No. No. No, it's not. And, uh, No, it's not true. Listen, Tim Tebow is not going to Texas. He's going to New York. He's not going to play hockey. He's going to play football. He's not going to the Atlanta Braves, one, because the Atlanta Braves are not in Texas, and the Atlanta Braves are not a football team. And on and on and on and on and on we could go. It's untruth. But see, a person who says there's no such thing as truth will say, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. All statements are true. No lie. Listen. This is one of the coolest things I've ever done or been a part of. An AP English class in a high school when I was living in Illinois (laughs) invited me to come in and debate a universalist relativist who is a person who believes what I'm telling you guys right now, who believes that there's no such thing as truth, that we define our own truth. And they had me come in. He's a professor at a college. They had me debate him on Christianity. And so I literally said to him, I said, what if I believed that that computer over there was Jesus, and I pointed to a computer across the room, and I believed that that computer was Jesus. I would say, Would that be a true statement? And he said, Yeah. And I said, What if I said that this, this, uh, this chalkboard over here was Jesus, and that computer was not Jesus? Is that a true statement? He said, Yes. And I said, So any statement I say is true? And he said, Yes. And I said, Well, you're wrong. And then, and then what I did was I walked over and I sit down in the class and I said, that's all I have to say. And the students grilled this dude, this guy for like the next like 30 minutes. And I was like, yeah. Why? Because here's the deal. Truth corresponds to reality. And if you make a claim that does not respond to reality, it is an untruth, period. There is a right and wrong. There is truth and there's untruth. And and it's easy for us to see it because we know in our spirit when things are told to us that are untruth. You can feel it. You know it. You see something you're like, that's just not right. It's because there is an absolute truth. This is defined by God. And God has placed that within us so that we know when we hear right and when we hear wrong. We can see that. Fourth, all truth claims are not true. All truth claims are not true. For hundreds, for hundreds of years, people believed that the world was flat. Guys, the world's not flat. I mean, these people believed that it was, it was so true. They were like, man, it is true. The world is flat. They would, they would plan travel routes, and they would be afraid to go too far because they might drive off the edge of the world. I mean, people believed for hundreds of years that the world was flat. Not all truth statements are true. Fifthly, there is a fundamental difference between opinion and preference versus truth. There's a fundamental difference between opinion and preference versus truth. Let me, let me explain to you. If I say New York style pizza is way better than Chicago style pizza. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> and you say, no, nah, Chicago style pizza is better than New York pizza. And we get this argument about it or whatever. Listen, that is not a matter of truth. That is a matter of opinion. My opinion is then New York-style pizza is better. But your opinion may be that, that uh, Chicago pizza is better. Another one. The Braves are my favorite baseball team. Yes, they are. Any Braves fans in the house? Yes. The Braves are my favorite baseball team. Now, you may say, who booed? What's your favorite team? Who? What's your favorite team? Man, <laughs> You can't boo a team if you don't pull for a team. That's the rules. Yeah, well, who you like? Who you like? Huh? Goodness gracious. <laughs> hey, listen, guys, for real, crack kills, man. Y'all got to stop it. All right. Or if I, if I made a comment and I said, the deadliest catch is the best TV show on television, you may say, no, it's not. I like the Real Housewives of Orange County or something like that. And we were going to argue about it. Those, those are not matters of truth. Those are matters of opinion. Those are matters of opinion. Listen, Shh. let me give you the difference in opinion and truth. Those are matters of opinion. These are matters of truth. They're measurable. Like the Hebrew word, you can support and they're stable. You can go and look at the evidence. They correspond with fact. We know these things to be true because they are truth statements. Like, for example, 12 Stone Church had over 20,000 people in attendance on Easter Sunday. It's true. The first time we've ever went over 20,000 people. It's pretty amazing. The Titanic sank into icy waters in the Atlantic on april 15th 1912 at about 2:20 a.m. we just celebrate or they just celebrate i don't really know if it's a celebration the 100th year that the titanic sank and we cheer yeah people died and uh, those are matters of truth listen listen when the bible says when the bible says When the Bible talks about Jesus and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, no man comes to the Father but by me, that is not an opinion statement, that is a truth statement. To say that Jesus raised from the dead and appeared to over 500 witnesses, listen, Jesus either did or he didn't. It is true or it is untrue. That is a truth statement. That is not a matter of opinion. And so when you come to the Word of God, you need to know that this is not about opinion. This is about truth. These are truth statements that we are making. And it's so important that you get that. There's a difference in opinion and truth. Seventh, The law of non-contradiction. In logic, there are three different rules of logic that just make things either logical or illogical. One of them is the law of non-contradictions. What that means is this. If I take two truth statements and they contradict each other, they both cannot be true. Like, for example, if I said the Atlanta Falcons won the Super Bowl in 2012... And then I said, no, the, and, or you said, no, the New York Giants won the Super Bowl in 2012. They both cannot be true because they are two truth claims that contradict each other. Only one winner of the Super Bowl can happen. And we know that the Atlanta Falcons are never going to win a Super Bowl. So that is untruth. Untruth. Listen, shh. guys, this is important. This is important, and you got to get this. you got to get this. Listen. Similarly, if two religions claim separate things about God, then they both cannot be true. See, the problem with saying you define your own truth, it leads to pluralism or believing that all religions worship the same God. And to understand that truth exists is to understand that in the law of non-contradictions, you cannot make the same statements that contradict each other about God and they both be true. See, Christianity believes in one God. Hinduism believes in a multiple gods. Mormons believe that you can become God. It is impossible for all three of those to be true if they contradict each other in the statements about God. Listen, Muslims believe that Jesus was just a good prophet that he never died on the cross. Christians believe that Jesus was God in the flesh who lived here on this earth and walked on this earth and experienced everything that we experienced yet without sin, went to the cross, died on the cross for our sins, was buried, rose again on the third day and is risen and reigning over everything in this world and we can have a relationship with him, with God through Jesus Christ. That's what we believe as Christians. Muslims would say, no sir. Listen, two contradictory statements. They both cannot be true. They both cannot be true. Either Christianity and Jesus is true, or it's not. And it is. Amen, brother. What about we're going to number 8. Only got one more after this. What about people who are sincere about their beliefs? You say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." But that guy who who is Mormon who believes he's going to become God one day. I mean, what if he is sincere? I mean, what about that guy who believes he's a Muslim and he, he believes I mean, what if he is so sincere about that listen sincerity. Sincerity doesn't equal truth. Look. This is really Raid bug spray. And if I drank this, I would really get sick and I would probably really die if I didn't get help. I can be as sincere as I want to and say, hey, I'm going to be okay if I drink this and unscrew the cap and guzzle this thing down. And the reality is if I did that, if I didn't get to the hospital, I'd be in trouble. I could be as sincere as I want to be. I can be as sincere as I want to be that this, that this music stand is God and that it's going to save me. And I could come and I could pray to this music stand every day. Oh, music stand, I love you. I thank you, music stand, for just standing. And, you know, and I can, I mean, I can do that, right? And I can, I can love the music stand and, oh, I love you, music stand, and, and all that kind of stuff. But here's the deal. That music stand has done nothing To say, I can be as sincere as I want to be. I can be as sincere as I want to be. Let me tell you something. The Bible tells us that that our God is a God above all gods. Not only that, but the Bible tells us that he is the only God, the one true God. That means that all other gods are false. So worshiping Allah, worshiping the God of whoever, if it ain't the God of the Bible, it's like worshiping a unicorn. It doesn't exist. It can't save you. It can't do anything for you. Ninth and finally, the Bible teaches that not only is there truth, but that you can know it and that you can walk in it. You can know it and you can walk in it. John 8 31 says, To the Jews who believed him, Jesus says, If you hold to my teachings and you who are really my disciples, then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. He says, you can know the truth. You can know the truth. And a part of that is putting on Christ, putting on the truth, accepting Jesus, putting your trust in Jesus, and you will know the truth. He gives you truth. He opens your eyes to the truth. Psalm 86, 11 says, teach me your ways, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. He says, God, teach me. Show me your truth. How does God teach us? How does God show us our truth? This is how He teaches us, showed us His truth. We come to a place like the point. We come on Sunday morning to like twelve, you know, to twelve stone to church, and we learn from God's word. God teaches us through His word. And you say, man, how can God teach the truth? How can I know the truth about God? This is how you know the truth about God. This is why we're asking you guys to pray the armor of God over your life every single day. And we're asking you guys to do that throughout this series because we want to get you in the Word of God. We want to get you praying Scripture. That is why tonight when you leave here, we have a 30-day devotional on the armor of God that 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 I have been a part of writing. And you guys can take that home with you and over the next 30 days, get in God's Word and study God's Word and see God's Word. At the end of the series, the last night of the series, we're going to be talking about the Word of God and the Sword of the Spirit on May 10th. Oh, from May 10th, Until the first day of school in August, there are 89 days from May 10th to the first day of school. There are 89 chapters that are between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four Gospels. And I'm going to challenge you guys over that time period to read a chapter in the Gospels every single day so that you can read through all four of the Gospels during the summer, so that you can grow in your faith, so that you can know the truth, and so that the truth can set you free. So that the truth can set you free. What what does it set you free from? See to know Jesus is to set us free from sin and death, It's to give us life. We know through a relationship with Jesus and through his word, if we want to know the truth that's what we do and that's the reason, that's listen, that's the reason Paul tells us. That's the reason Paul tells us, look man if you want to take a stand against the schemes of the devil if you want to have your feet firmly planted in the ground, if you want to be ready for battle, he says, put the belt of truth around your waist. Put the belt of truth around your waist. Next week we're going to be talking about the breastplate of righteousness. I'm so excited about it. It's going to be an awesome week. But I don't want to get too far ahead. I want you guys really this week just to be thinking on truth. And thinking on God's truth. I want you guys, when y'all break out into small groups after this, I want you guys to talk about truth. I want you guys to study and figure out the things that you say and the things that you believe and figure out whether it's truth or whether it's untruth. Don't just believe something because somebody says something, but believe it because it's true. Believe it because it's true. Father, I thank you so much for this time that we have tonight. God, I just pray that you would be with a The rest of the service, Lord, that it would just bring glory and honor to your name, that we would hold to your truth, that we would seek your face. In Jesus' name, amen. As the band's coming up, I want to show you guys a video of a girl who's in our middle school ministry. And to talk about the fact, number one, that age doesn't equal spiritual maturity. And I want you to see just this this middle school and something that God challenged her with. And it's so relevant to what we're talking about tonight. Check Check this video out.
1: My name's Ashton Stockdale, I'm 14 years old and I'm in the eighth grade. And I've been going to 12 Stone for about three and a half years. I first heard about the idea of praying the armor of God over me at the back to school bash in August. And I remember sitting there and the guy was up there talking about how every morning his wife stands in front of the mirror and gets dressed while she's praying the armor of God over her. And I just thought, wow, that's so cool and so unique. And so I went home. And I took note cards and I wrote the different pieces of the armor and different adjectives or things that I wanted to do during that day that had to do with me on the note card. And I did a passage of scripture that had to do with that and just a short prayer. And the first morning that I did it, I stood in front of the mirror and I was like, this is so awkward. This is just weird. But then as I started to do it, I realized how much it had helped me. And the truth is, we all go through so many wars, like mine in particular are doubts and fear and insecurities, and I mean the list goes on.